Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991, to Boston, Bloomberg 1200, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app at Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Wall Street. I'm Michael McKee along with Tom Keene, our economic indicators. Brought to you by Commonwealth Financial Network. When it's time to change the conversation, talk with a broker-dealer, RIA, that's ready to listen. Call 866-462-3638 or visit Commonwealth.com to learn more. Time now for Vinny Del Judice with today's numbers. Michael and Tom, good morning. Jobless claims last week down by 9,000 to 267,000, a bit lower than forecast claims remaining close to a four-decade low. Again, jobless claims last week, week ending April 2nd, falling by 9,000 to 267,000, a bit less than Wall Street forecasts. At the Bloomberg First Word Desk, I'm Vinny Del Judice. Let's go back to New York. Um, Mike, I'm going to be direct. Here. The the The... The three moving averages I use on any series, two of them are convex lower on jobless claims. They are, it is an outstanding series of optimism. It is just stunning. Optimism, should we discuss the Minnesota Twins? I I don't, you know. Uh, Well, you know, John and I were talking earlier while you were out of the studio about um, how we were going to deal with your depressed gloom today because the yeah. Red Sox have lost their first game. Yeah. It's You're really on a roll lately. Thank you. The brewing decaf upstairs, you know. Jim Paulson joins us from Minnesota where he is more sane than we are uh, and has a wonderful perspective on our economics and our equity markets. Jim, just simply, can you be long of stocks right now? Yeah, I, I think in the... Uh uh, the, you know, in the next few months, Tom, my, my feeling is we're probably going to uh, move higher to higher highs. I, there's a few things in the short run, at least, um, that I really like. I like the fact that we're kind of calming down the deflationary fears that have ruled us over the last yeah. couple of years. Um, if you remove that deflationary BIS story, it brings more risk on behavior. I like the fact that I think earnings, the expectations are now so low that even bad exactly. might exactly. outperform. And I actually think if you look at uh, some economic surprise indices about the globe, uh, I'm starting to see a lot of different regions, including your, the Eurozone, including the emerging market uh, economies in the United States, turn upward with their economic reports. And then lastly, I think the biggest one is I just continue to sense a lot of pessimism. We've had exactly. This- Big rally off the bottom, and last August when we did that, it brought back optimism. This time it hasn't. So I like the fact maybe we're going to have to break above to new all-time highs, head towards 2200 before we uh, bring back optimism, and, and at that point there might be more risk. But yeah. I, I think now it looks pretty good. Mike, I, I, will, I don't opine on the markets. We don't do that. But I will say it's uncommonly gloomy in equity land right now. Well, is this a um – is this a time then to buy because there's so much gloom? Is it the old wall of worry thing? I I think that's one of the good reasons to be buying, uh, Mike. I really do. You know, we've had almost three ten percent corrections within about fifteen sixteen months. We fell almost ten percent in late two thousand fourteen. We fell ten percent in uh, last August. We had another correction here, even you know larger than the highs here in February and and. 
what I noticed the last two times when we had those corrections, you you were instantly the uh, the attitude on Wall Street was, oh, this is a good buying opportunity, a refreshing pause in an ongoing bull market, a chance to get in before we go to new highs. This this time in February, it's been entirely different. What this uh, collapse brought out was calls for a recession, calls for a global financial contagion, uh, bear trap rally. This has been uh, focused on. I like that. We're back to what really made this entire bull market great, which has been climbing a perpetual wall of worry. Yeah, but even at the valuations we're seeing now, that was one of the concerns Paul Hickey of Bespoke had when uh, he was on with us earlier, uh, that I mean, you're, you're paying almost 19 times earnings for the S&P. I share that. Uh, I share those concerns. I think the best of this bull market from a buy-and-hold perspective is past, but I don't think it's over. I don't see a recession on the horizon, so the I think the odds of a sustained bear market are not good. On the other hand, we've used up a lot of the valuation that you'd, you'd use to fuel the bull. Uh, mm-hmm. we've, we're in a, to a mature earnings cycle right now, which uh, earnings are not going to be as good going forward as they have. We're going to lose the support of the Fed. We're going to have to reset rates. There's a lot of challenges, but to me, I think we persist, but the returns are going to be far less. But right now, I think um, I've had a I've had a range of eighteen hundred to twenty two hundred ending flat for the year, and we went down eighteen hundred on excessive pessimism. Maybe we go up to twenty two hundred on excessive optimism, and uh, I from where we are now, that's that's pretty good upside. Jim Paulson uh, with us. Jim, inflation is it is it going to overshoot and uh, give us something to talk about in August and into December? <laughs> Um, you know, I don't think we're en route, Tom, to runaway inflation, um, but I certainly think it's turned a corner. I think it is uh, heading higher a little bit here. You know, lost in the the colossal collapse of commodity prices uh, in oil was over the last year we've had a pretty considerable rise in core economic cost in the United States. We've had the biggest and most sustained rise in wage inflation. Mm-hmm in core consumer price inflation, in the core PC deflator, in core services inflation. You also see core inflation that's picked up actually in the Eurozone. It's picked up in Japan. Uh, so I think we've turned a corner. We're at full employment into the four handles of, on unemployment. Right. And I think we're going to continue yeah. to push that higher. So I think we're going to get back and worried about that and worried about the Fed being behind the curve. And Jim Paulson, who has been a resilient optimist all the way through this bull market, and even the discussion, are we in a bear market now, is enough to get him uh, fired up. We'll continue with Mr. Paulson, maybe look at more of the economic foundations of his optimism towards equities. Um, Futures negative 10, Dow futures negative 81, the yield 1.73%. All right, let's check in with Michael Barr and get the latest world and national headlines. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. Democratic presidential candidates Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders are swapping pointed words at each other. Sanders says Clinton isn't qualified to be president after taking tens of millions of dollars in special interest funds. Meanwhile, Clinton said Sanders hadn't done his homework on several subjects. Republican presidential candidate Ted Cruz says fraud charges against Donald Trump make him a liability to the party. Cruz spoke today to ABC News. We want to beat Hillary. The last thing we want is to nominate someone like Donald Trump, who over and over again has allegations of fraud against him. 
Researchers trying to solve the puzzle of millions of bat deaths nationwide are now turning their attention to pockets of survivors in caves where a deadly fungal infection first began. Populations of bats in some upstate New York and Vermont hibernation sites appear to have stabilized, and researchers are studying everything from behavior to cave conditions. It may not be pretty, but bats serve an important role. They help control the insect population. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom? Time now for the Bloomberg NBC Sports Update. The Yankees get one, John Stashar. Yeah, my cold night, hot bats at the stadium. Yankees scored six runs in the first inning, six more over the next two, 16-6 to six over Houston to notch their first win. What did Joe Girardi like? That we continue to tack on. I think that's important. It changes the way you can do things, you know, get some guys off their feet for a little bit, you use different guys in the bullpen. Nova does a tremendous job tonight giving us four innings and, and not having to use anyone else. He did a really good job. So tacking on runs is really important during the course of a season. Yanks with 17 hits, three homers, one by new second baseman Starlin Castro, who had four hits. He's got seven RBIs in the first two games. The Astros' brilliant young shortstop Carlos Correa also had four hits, two homers. One of them went 460 feet. They'll finish the series this afternoon. Knicks and Nets both lost. That's happened a lot. Charlotte won at the Garden, 111-97. Brooklyn fell at Washington, 121-103. Rangers and Islanders at the Garden tonight. The Jets want tackle to Brickershaw Ferguson to take a pay cut to help re-sign quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick. The Masters is underway. Defending champ Jordan Spieth is looking to join Jack Nicklaus, Nick Faldo, and Tiger Woods as the only Back-to-back winners, world number one Jason Day tees off just after 1 o'clock today. Rory McIlroy about an hour after that. They had the par three yesterday, nine aces, including one by 80-year-old Gary Player. Live coverage of the opening round, live from Augusta, starting at 4.15 today on Bloomberg 1130. The Bloomberg NBC Sports Update. I'm John Stashauer. Uh, John, thanks so much. Let's do a data check. We look at equities, bonds, currencies, commodities. One story on the screen, yen, a 108.38. And the intraday low was stunning. Mike McKee mentioning it earlier, 108.02, which is really something. We took a sharp leg down. Let me get that time for you, about 5.30, 5.40 this morning. We've bounced up, but by no means am I going to call it a bottom. Technically, it doesn't look that way. It's just where we are, 108. Uh, 0.35 on Japanese yen, sharply stronger. Yen, I spoke at length with Carl Riccadonna earlier this morning, uh, back and forth about the presumption of intervention by the Japanese government. Uh, Mr. Riccadonna made clear he felt that was less than likely. Futures at negative 11 worldwide in Japan. Bloomberg surveillance. We'll get nerdy with Jim Paulson coming up. The KL ratio has worsened. What is happening to American companies and their profits and what they spend it on? Coming up on Surveillance. Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. 
And I'm Karen Moscow. This update's brought to you by Sector Spider ETF. So why buy a single stock when you can invest in the entire sector? Visit SectorSPDRS.com or call 1-866-SECTOR-ETF. Fewer Americans filed for unemployment benefits last week. Jobless claims dropped by 9,000 to 267,000 in the week that ended April 2nd. U.S. stock index futures are lower with European shares and the yen strengthening to a 17-month high amid concern over the outlook for global economic growth. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P E-mini futures down 10 points. Dow E-mini futures down 83. And NASDAQ E-mini futures down 19. The DAX in Germany is down two-tenths percent. So is the CAC in Paris and FT100. Ten-year Treasury at 5.30 seconds. The yield 1.73 percent. Yield on the two-year 0.71 percent. NYMEX crude oil down 7 tenths percent or 27 cents to 37.48 a barrel. COMEX gold is up 1.4 percent or $16.60 at 12.40.40 an ounce. The euro $1.1374, the yen 108.42. Improving gender equality would add at least $2.1 trillion to U.S. gross domestic product by 2025. That according to a McKinsey Global Institute study. And Valiant Pharmaceuticals won the support of its lenders to waive a default and ease some restrictions on its loan pact as the drug maker seeks to rein in its $32 billion debt load. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen, thanks so much. Again, futures negative 10. It is 848 on Wall Street. The following is from Bloomberg View. Opinions and commentary from Bloomberg columnists. I'm Jonathan Bernstein, a columnist for Bloomberg View. It's increasingly likely Donald Trump could win a plurality of delegates, but fall short of the required delegate majority and lose the nomination. The convention could even select a candidate who got drubbed in the primaries or one who sat out the contests altogether. Trump may find that unfair, but such an outcome would be democratic. Parties are private organizations. It's up to them to decide how they want to choose their nominees, at least as long as parties allow new members to join and have an opportunity to exercise influence within the party. I do have two concerns about the selection of delegates, which on the Republican side is partially separated from the allocation of delegates. It's not clear to what extent the delegate selection process really is open to new members. It also seems odd for a party to hold primaries and advertise them as choosing the nominee, if, in fact, separate delegate selection means primaries don't necessarily determine the nomination. Overall, the system may look weird, but it's probably sufficiently democratic. I'm Jonathan Bernstein. For more View, please go to BloombergView.com or ViewGo on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg View. And Bloomberg View commentaries can be heard hourly weekdays on Bloomberg Radio. Mike, this is perfect. This is perfect surveillance. We have Jim Paulson on. And Albert Edwards, who even the optimists read over at SockGen, because he's so <laughs> damn gloomy. Better, yeah. Luke Kawa out from Bloomberg Markets out with a tweet with a killer Albert Edwards chart of business investment modestly rolling over and earnings with a vengeance, what he calls, Edwards calls whole economy profits rolling over. That's pre-tax domestic non-financial profits Rolling over. It's enough, Mike McKee, to make Jim Paulson squirm. <laughs> well, Jim's a little worried anyway about what's been happening with uh, investments. I mean, uh, the the uh, capital to labor ratio, you write about the, this uh, recently, um, the KL ratio. Hey, companies just aren't spending any money on uh, capital deepening at this point, and that's reflected in productivity numbers. And Maybe that's connected to why we're seeing such bad earnings, do you think? 
I think it's possible, uh, Mike. I, I think the uh, the cap, the capital, the amount of capital the labor's had to work with, uh, that ratio has been falling steadily in the last five years, really throughout this recovery from 2009 through the latest data through 2014. It's one of the steepest and prolo- uh, longest drops in the U.S. capital ratio in post-war history. And certainly, you know, giving uh, – Always giving more and more capital to the to the labor supply is one of the reasons that the U.S. has dominated the globe economically, and uh, I don't think it's a coincidence at all that the fall in the capital labor ratio, the outsized fall in this recovery, is is led to the worst productivity performance of any recovery in the post-war period. Um, it's been an issue. It could become a bigger issue uh, going forward. Um, I am hopeful that there's been some pickup in uh, in private sector investment in the last few years, not real strong, but a little bit, uh, enough maybe to help raise productivity uh, during the balance of this recovery. Uh, but it's going to be a close call. We, we, we've got no help from the public sector. Real public sector investment as a percent of GDP has recently fallen to a 64-year low in this country, also contributing to lack of productivity. So it's going to come from the private sector. There's certainly tremendous pot capability here. The amount of dry powder on corporate balance sheets relative to the size of the economy remains almost record-setting. If we could get that off the balance sheet uh, into something other than buying back their own stock or raising dividends or buying each other, if we could actually create some animal spirit. Do you see any indication of that? Not, not right now. I, I don't, Tom, and that's the problem. But, but here's the one thing I think that's been missing in this cycle for that, that we could get. We have, uh, we think it's been tax policies, you know, and, and not bringing cash over Europe and those kind yeah. of things. I, I don't believe, I think what the main thing that hasn't been there is when the CEO looks around the world, we have never been able to see all the economic boats rising at the same time in this recovery. You know, we, we've lost Europe different times. We've lost Japan different times. Now the emerging world's slowing down. We've never had a CEO that looks out of his markets and goes, oh, look at they're all kind of going up at the same time. That is what would bring animal spirits and, and a need to, to add to capital investment. We, we might get that. I think the, the, the tremendous synchronized policy stimulus that we've dumped on the global economy in the last couple of years in the form of a, a tax cut of, of, of a 50% drop in commodity prices in the form of a major global-wide yeah. drop in sovereign bond yields mm-hmm. and in the form of currency weakness for everyone but the United States is likely to bring a bounce in economic growth right. uh, simultaneously, which could okay. bring animal spirits. Then within your animal spirited optimism, you need this, folks, when the twins open 0-2. Uh, Jim, when you, when you look at the enthusiasm you have, can you buy to be safe Exxon and Chevron, or can you load the boat on energy, even if you don't know it's a bottom in oil? I like energy, Tom. I don't know if I'd load the boat. I don't know if it's a low. I, su- I'm sus- I suspect it is. I think the fact that there's a lot of things that, uh, that haven't happened at the previous times that crude rallied in the last couple of years, 
you know, the, look at the performance of the transport stocks doing well. Look at the CRB raw industrial commodity prices uh, doing uh, doing well. Basic material stocks doing well. Gold doing well. The dollar coming off significantly. Those are all things that give me more uh, support that this is a low. And I would rather than load the boat just on energy, I would diversify it not only to energy but to basic materials as a whole, to industrials. Uh, overall and even to parts of technology, if we stabilize commodities and manufacturing, I think the more capital goods, industrial producer sectors of the world stock market are going to do better. Well, this is uh, you know a, a quarter in which all of those categories you just talked about are forecast to basically be terrible yeah, um, the, uh, in, in terms of earnings i mean industrials uh, are forecast to be down 11.4 percent uh, energy down 100 um, percent so how long are we going to have to you're going to have to wait to, to be proven right well you you know the stocks moved before the earnings so the stocks uh, cratered uh last year and even to the lows of january but those most of those stocks have turned the corner have been outperforming again so the earnings might well be bad, and that might already have been reflected in the, the stock underperformance of those sectors. The fact that the stocks were already turning upward again might tell you that as we get into the second quarter and the last two quarters this year, earnings performance out of these groups are going to turn more positive. Uh, certainly, if uh, commodity prices and crude oil hold at these higher levels or still go higher, uh, you're going to have some pretty big positive swings in earnings from those sectors, ultimately, as the percent changes from year-ago levels start to uh, turn the other way. So, you know, I I kind of think that by the time the earnings performance actually shows, those stocks will already be doing uh, quite well, Mike, so I don't think you can wait for that turn. Do you realize that when Jim Paulson says, load the boat, Michael McKee, He's talking about a 1964 Chris Craft 22-foot Cavalier Dory. That's the kind of boat they have in Minnesota. Land of 10,000 lakes. It's, land of ten, it's, it's not like what we think of, like, load the boat. I mean, John, you're thinking of what's the ferries that, that run to New Jersey every day where they watch Bloomberg TV while they The Sea Streak Ferry that you almost got sick on. The Sea Streak Ferry where I almost got sick. Ken Pruitt had to hold my hand. He actually did get sick. Jim Paulson, his idea of load the boat is a 1964 Chris Craft 22-foot. Cavalier Dory. That's very cool. Jim Paulson, thank you so much from Minnesota. Always appreciate it with Wells Capital Management. The gloom crew go nuts when Paulson's on. What's the Baltic dry index for the Sea Street Ferry these days? (laughs) As long as Tom's not on it, it's fine. (laughs) Well, there's just no vermouth, and then it's the dry index. (laughs) Right? Okay, before we lose okay, control here. Okay, moving on. Futures <laughs> negative 10. Dow futures negative 85. What are Mike and I watching? Yen, 108.41. Bonus time, another hour of Bloomberg Surveillance.